3: When you grow up in these communities and, and you have a love for your brothers and, and sisters, and, and uh, you don't just shed that lightly and you take that responsibility pretty strongly. So let's get a giant behemoth piece of the industry and the government to work together to make solutions for our fellow man.
4: All right, everybody, welcome to the TNQ Podcast. Glad you guys brought us back. I'm excited about our uh, guest today, brother. Yeah. Yeah, today's episode's
2: a little different than normal, but um, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a real good one. We've got a listener story today that we're going to share that's a little tougher than normal, but I think that these stories are really what remind us why we do this podcast. And so today's uh, listener story is from Bryce, and Bryce writes... It's important to know that this story is not only mine. The basis of this story is not even centered around me. It is a story that is the beginning of a long journey for a girl from a tight-knit community. On July 5th, 2019, just a couple weeks ago, all I could think about was a celebration that was going to happen the next day with my buddies Evan, Ian, Garrett, and Levi. I had just gotten back from the gym when my dad told me to sit down and to listen. He had said there was a shooting, and the shooting was at my friend Levi's house. He said he didn't know all the details, but that one person was dead. Immediately, my mind was going a million miles a minute. Who was it? I was asking myself, who was the one dead and the other three alive? Ten minutes later, my dad got word from the police chief in town. He called my name. It's not good, he said. I went into my room and sunk my head down into my bed. Four people were dead. Of those four was my friend Levi, a friend I had ran with since the seventh grade, someone whom I was with every weekend shooting guns, enjoying beers, and just hanging around a bonfire, all of a sudden gone. It appeared that the father of the family shot his wife and two sons, including Levi, before calling 911 and then turning the weapon upon himself. Despite this unbearable tragedy, there was a shining point in the darkness. There was one family member not present that day. That was the youngest daughter, Summer. She was at work during the incident. On Friday, her entire family was gone in an instant. Now, I don't know what she was going through. I can't even imagine what was going through her mind. All the questions she had maybe wondering what she could have done to prevent it. Through all of the adversity she was facing, Sunday, July 7th, she was at church worshiping the living God. The story doesn't end there. I'm writing this on Monday, July 8th. I want Summer to learn about this podcast, and I truly do plan on telling her. I'm hoping this story is shared for the sake of her well-being and to know there are people all over the close-knit community who are willing to give her love and support. I want her to know to never quit through the tough spot in life and we as a community will never quit either. Man, that's a really tough one. But Summer, Bryce, you've got a community here at Team Never Quit. And, and we are a community. We're strong. And Summer, I know it might seem like there is no light at the end of the tunnel. And we can't even imagine or fathom what you're going through. But we're here to encourage you. We're here to support you. Lean on your community. Lean on your friends. And just keep your head held high. Bryce, thank you so much for sharing this story with us. It really means a lot when you guys in our community share your stories. It encourages us to continue to put out this show every single week. It reminds us that every Never Quit story of every guest that we have on here is going to help someone in
4: their journey. If you love the T&Q podcast, please share the show with a friend. The show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Amazon, and pretty much any other podcast player. We've got a ton of great episodes and had some incredible guests, including David Goggins, Laura Logan, Sir Robert Van Pelton. Look, if you're already following us on Facebook and Instagram, then you know that we keep our followers up to date with new gear, sales,
2: guests, events, and a ton of other stuff you won't get anywhere else. Anywhere else. Anywhere else. If you aren't following us yet, you're missing out. You can follow us at team underscore never quit. You can also keep up with Marcus at Marcus Latrell. Uh, Morgan. Well, when you say my name, oh, yeah. you have to do it. You can,
1: get-
2: <laughs> you can also keep up with Marcus at Marcus Latrell. Morgan at Mojo Latrell. And me, Andrew Bruckenbush. That's good, man.
5: Have you checked out our new gear we've added to the TNQ shop? The new shirts, hats, and backpacks. No matter where you find yourself, this stuff never quits. Head over to the shop team and get yours now.
2: All right, guys, let's get into the show.
5: We're going to do something a little bit different today. Today we have a, a collective group of never quit stories that actually came to, in the best way I can describe it, it is a a hodgepodge team of the most brilliant individuals that should not have worked together, that came together to solve a problem, set, and uh, got it done. I'll start with some introductions. Um, in the room we have Dimitri, and we have Bambi, and we have Paul, and then myself, and we've got little brother, so... Dimitri, we're going to start with you. Can you give us, a, just kind of walk us through um, a brief history of how, where you came
1: from, what you did, and what you're doing now? Yeah, great. Uh, you know, if you look back, um, my parents are, are both, uh, uh, I guess, refugees of the Second War. My father is Russian. My mother's French. They, they met in California and Berkeley. They happened to just be living together in the same boarding house, and I was born there. I uh, grew up in the Bay Area. Um, kind of a, an outcast, I, uh, because uh, my mom, the common language was English, because my mom didn't speak Russian, and my dad didn't speak French, but she talked to me when I was young, so French was my first language, and, and I had this strong guttural lang- uh, R, you know, the R sound that the French speak, and, and so I had to go through speech therapy in grade school, and it was kind of always the the odd kid out. So I ended up looking around the world, you know, looking outside at the outside world, and I I got interested in why things work, you know, and I got into physics. And, and, you know, by the end of high school, I was interested in physics and math because math is the language of, of the world. You can write an equation down in a single line, and it'll explain everything you see around you if you apply it. And it was kind of the elegant language that tells us why things are. And I just got fascinated by that. And I followed a path through college and and into grad school and eventually a faculty position at Yale for uh, probably more than a decade doing theoretical physics as a passion. But in the end, it wasn't enough, you know, uh, because it's it was fun, but self-serving. And and it didn't quite feel the purpose of doing something better for people, you know, uh, I went into government, and it led me down a path of meeting all of you to do something that I think has really been transformational, something unnatural, something important, and that's something we'll talk about today. That's a great part about it. We all come
4: from different backgrounds, and we're all so extreme in our environments that we had to, to kind of cultivate ourselves and grow up in and most times, people would we wouldn't. We're not supposed to hang out. We're not supposed no. to get along. I mean, if you watch yeah, everybody, we would have been buddies to in the road together. <laughs> I know, right? It's just supposed to, not supposed <laughs> to work that way. But in reality, you, you kind of figure out that we uh, we each fill a void in each other's lives, right? The one thing that we weren't proficient at, or that we didn't even take a take a look at, mainly because uninterested, it was hard, and and our, our path kind of took us in a different direction, but. A lot of times you know, people who study physics and astrophysics they don't they, can, they can't put a band aid on, but a doctor yep. doesn't know anything about, yeah. And then, the same people who dig in the ground, and with math, just like you said, that's it's kind of it's a creation of everything, it's the language, it's God's language, right? He wrote everything out, and then it, it flows that pattern. It's a shame when we're young we don't get into math and physics the way that we should because it really yeah. does. I mean, I was talking to some football players yesterday. And literally the physics of movement, how to disable, take somebody down, bigger than you, smaller than you—it is all written in that. Yep. I mean, you put those two equations together, and you find the difference between them, and you can work it out on paper. Exactly. I mean, it actually shows it right there. <laughs> I don't know if the
5: I don't know if football coaches would go for that, but you're like, I—I've right. I, I, known Dimitri for a couple of years now, and I, I honestly didn't think that uh, there was actually Jedi's walking the planet until I ran into him and he totally convinced me of—he does the Jedi mind trick on on anybody and everybody. So, all right, next Bambi. Um, you guys listen to this, this, this story is going to get, you. she's probably one of the most brilliant neuroscientists on the planet walking around here, but, uh, <laughs> here she comes from, is going to make your head spin. All right. You,
0: you teed it up as a challenge. You know, for me, I don't, I don't, I don't, you often don't look at yourself how other people do. So it's interesting to me when, when, you know, people are saying I have an interesting story cause it's, it's just what I know. Um, so I grew up in Lubbock, Texas. Um Shy, introverted kid also But love early it. on in Why life you get up? Love it.
4: What? <laughs> <laughs> only two reasons you go over there Texas Tech or you're lost <laughs> Well we always
0: joke Only two people got out And I always say myself and Buddy Holly <laughs> That's right yeah. There yeah there's not a whole lot in Lubbock well, That's it's a great place go, though You know um. But so I got into dancing when I was really young. So I was always interested in dancing. I actually wasn't really good at dancing, so it was a challenge for me. It was something – I was always academically inclined. But for me, dancing – since I was shy and introverted, I could express myself through dancing. And then it also leaned in my interest. I also have interest in math. And for dancing, like ballet, the physics of it, it's just beautiful, like seeing the human body and like, you know, your right hip up a particular degree is going to change the entire, you know, spin, so... I got into dancing really early on, and um,
1: it's the moment of inertia.
4: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Well, I was like, and I, don't know if there, I know we want to go there.
4: And the study of it, yeah. I mean, that, that, well, most people don't get into that part of it. Yeah. They, oh. They practice yeah. till the body figures it out and the mind figures it out, and then it just works. But it, they don't ever understand the, the whole mechanics behind it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's something you have to do to figure it out. You don't read a book to learn it. You know, there's a lot in reading, but. Um, So then I, um, but I grew up in kind of like a poor town, a poor area. When I was 15-ish, I started a non-profit to teach dance at um, kind of underprivileged areas where you could kind of go to the community center and teach dance to to kids. And then I had a heart condition, so I had what's called supraventricular tachycardia. Um, (laughs) SVT for short. So it was just, I had like an extra fiber that my heart would kind of go in this erratic loop and just be, you know, like create, you know, 300 beats per minute and I'd pass out and then move along with the day. Um, so I had to get that repaired. So once I got it repaired, I couldn't dance anymore and I had to kind of take a time out. At the time I was going to school, I started tech. Uh, I was always interested in math, so I started tech with a math degree. Did um, so the math but then, building
4: still look like a calculator? Yeah, there. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, just yeah,
0: a yeah. <laughs> Um And then I went for one semester and was just very disappointed and thinking, I'm just going to school because that's what you're supposed to do. I'm good at academics, and I wasn't really going for any purpose. And having kind of the hard situation, it made me really think, what do I want to do? Like, what do, you know, what, not just following this checkbox step. So when I was 18, I packed my bags and I moved to LA. Um, Before cell phones really existed, before I think I had like $300 to my name. And, you know, you just figured I just drove yeah. and everyone's like what back are you in doing the 1900s. I was like, no you just <laughs> yeah. <not."> yeah. <laughs> yeah back yeah. when
5: that, that's what you did <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just what you did um, so I went to LA dance for 10 years you know had a had a good time learned a lot about life and myself and things and and then eventually went back to school um, when I was 24 I went to UCLA I always wanted to go to UCLA You set a
5: date on but you said hey at 24 When I was 24 I'll go I'm back doing to school. I'm going back yeah. to school you yeah. set yeah. that right yeah yeah and followed through um
0: with it. well the real Main reason is my parents were and never filed their income taxes. So when you do the FAFSA, you can't claim independent unless I'd have to do report my parents' income and they never did. So I could never get support for school and all of that. So when i was We have something to us. Oh, really? Nope. Yeah. So it was like, and, and it was one of those things of I can only dance for so long. My body's only going to be like, that's something that there's really a time stamp mm-hmm. on. So I thought I'm going to go dance. And then when I'm 24, I'll go back. And when I was 24, I went back. Um, applied to UCLA, got into UCLA. I originally wanted to go to math for math, um, but I then switched to philosophy. Um, long story short, back at that time, it wasn't that long. It was like around 99, 2000 and women, I, my guidance counselor literally said, well, you know, women don't really do math. And California has a need for high school math teachers. So how about you get a teaching certificate and you can teach? Hadn't looked at my records, hadn't seen that, you know, I've made 100 in, you know, advanced calculus and every math class I've taken my entire life have excelled. Just that was the statement. And I was still young and impressionable and I didn't really understand, you know, I it it impacted me to where I really took it into consideration and thought, well, maybe I'm not good enough. What if I apply to UCLA and I don't get in for math and everything's right? You know. So long story short, I went for philosophy. I was interested in philosophy of science, and they have a branch where you study philosophy and you take physics courses or math courses and you do like an extra. So you're taking the courses, but it's still like falling under the philosophy curriculum. Absolutely loved it. Fell in love with everything. And um then transitioned to um, had a kid and was like, all right, life is getting real. I need to do something now. So I went for my Ph.D. Nah, in I neuroscience. D- back up. What? what? Back up.
5: <laughs> Put it in Which there. Part? Which part? You know part? what I'm talking about. Which part? Cowboys.
0: Oh, yeah. No, so that was grad school. So applied for my Ph.D., went to UT Dallas um, to get my Ph.D. in cognition and neuroscience. Did a master's first for applied cognition. So I was just studying how the brain works. Um, I thought my dancing years were over. Got to back to Texas, was a year without dancing, and realized that was such a big part of my life that I needed to do something. And the Cowboys happened to have a dance team that um, I was like, "Cool, I'll mm-hmm. try this out." It sure <laughs> <did>. <laughs> Tried out, made it the first year, and uh, that was a that was a good experience. That was fun. So dance for the Cowboys while I was in. Grad school for my PhD, then um, finished up and then worked for a bit. I met Morgan through. So what I did for um, research-wise was looking at kind of macro scale electrical, like um, broad properties, uh, electrical properties of the brain and seeing what that means for information processing, specifically to use new techniques, what we call like neuromodulation. So it's ways to externally manipulate rhythms of the brain to help, you know, alleviate a symptom or upregulate a certain function or downregulate a certain function. So that idea was using non-pharmacological ways to facilitate brain functioning yeah just and that's to break
5: that, that down a little bit yeah. Like, yeah. electrical <laughs> impulses instead of drugs
0: yeah 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 in and in a combination of under you know we don't realize we know nothing about the brain we know so little so it was also a way not only just understanding how the brain functions on a very basic mechanistic level like how it works but then also finding new ways because the brain is electrochemical electro there's that piece that we keep forgetting and neglecting when we just you know I'm not anti drugs but it's just it, it it's very happenstance and and there's more just with an technology to, yeah. and and the way things are moving there's 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 a better way to do it so that's what got me interested in you know.
4: So I ask you a question. So the time when you just this is to to offset what you do in life the dancing part did you notice that your that your skill sets in mathematics excelled when you were dancing as opposed to when you weren't. Because when you're solely focused on one thing, you kind of get burned out in it, right?
0: No, I mean, I've danced my entire life, so I don't even know. I There was maybe a year that I didn't dance if it wasn't professionally, just on the side. It, it taught me more about self-discipline, showing up, being prepared, having, you know, kind of... It was all the abstract things that dance taught me that probably then had a spillover effect in the academic setting. Sure, how could it not, um, right? But, yeah, so I don't even, works. I've danced my entire life. The point of so. that
4: is a people, it's important to have a hobby and or something else that you do besides what you do. Yeah. and that Because a lot of times, when you focus so much on one thing, that's all it becomes. But if you have something else, even, and it's it's your body's way of telling you, hey, Lake Man, what we just learned right here and your hobby over there, we can apply it and, and learn even more. Yeah. So I... I think it's important. I tell young, young, younglings, anyways, man. Make sure you kind of enjoy all of it. You never know what you're going to be good at.
0: And there's such a connection, mind-body connection, that just doing things physically just facilitates. I mean, it's stimulates it, mind. It, it, yeah, yeah. So, there and there you it. have so it. Awesome.
5: Cowboys dancer to, to neuroscientist. Our right, our our other team member, uh, Mr. Paul, sitting over here, had a very lengthy career in naval special warfare.
3: Yeah. um... Well, I've known the Latrell guys. He's before. our international man of mystery. We're yeah, yeah. Of <laughs> <man> of <laughs> he's our fixer. We're going on 15 yeah. years now, so I've been around these guys. Oh, money! Yeah, it's <laughs> if you notice, we're all getting a little gray. <laughs> but uh, so uh, I've known the Luttrell boys for for about 15 years. And met them when I at least, and maybe there's a lot of other people that can't tell them apart. But I certainly couldn't tell them apart for the first month. So. I am Marcus. I'm Morgan. I heard that probably a hundred times. Um but then we just quit telling you. That's part yeah, about the military I, I, Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, that's when we just went to last names and I was always yeah. right hey, bro percent of the time. So you never got it wrong. Man. Um yeah, I said I I retired um in 2012 I had 22 years in in uh in the Navy. Um unlike it, it's hard to follow these guys unlike when Dimitri says you write it down on a on a on a line, and all the answers are there. The only way the answers would be there for me if I wrote it down on a single line is if I could straighten it out and smash something with it. So <laughs> that's that's the only way. So I'm either a subject um, of of their, you know, when they do the math and they do the kinetics and all these.
0: Are you the, sure these math calculations? Yeah, I'm, I'm the guy go that goes. Do this, I don't know man. if I should push that button or not,
3: but I'm gonna. <laughs> Somebody's done the math, yeah. and then uh, on the brain side, I'm the I'm the subject. You know, like many of us are. Yeah. Uh, is to let's look at that guy's brain. Um, there's got to be something wrong with that. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I grew up in Pennsylvania, um, coal miner's son, and it, that kind of thing, and steel workers, and and uh, that's kind of the blue collar town I grew up in.
5: Yeah, and you're the run. You're the run of the and I'm family, the run of the litter. Yeah, and yeah. he's six foot tall, it just made me two thirty.
3: You know, I mean, I, the way I put it is like, listen, it's uh, it, it took my parents five to get her right, and then they were like. We got it. This is it. We got, we got it. it. You know, so figured it out. We, yes. <laughs> so, 22 years in the Navy. I started out as a corpsman, uh 18 Delta. You know, um, went to um, the short course, uh, like like Marcus and and uh, um, and that kind of leads to the to the long end of this. But uh, really had a passion for for making sure that on the battlefield and in the barracks room where most of the medicine is done. I was a corpsman with the Marines for years. Um, then I was a Mustang, got commissioned and and. Uh, Went to the special operations side of the, of the Navy, uh, left the Marine Corps side, and I uh, met up with these guys, and you know, and then I retired and, and did did uh, I never did the contract thing or anything like that. I went into banking. I was the chief of staff for a bank, and you know, kind of kind of milling around and about as far away to, as you could go. Yeah, from military you know, life, and then when yeah. you look at you look out the window and and you look and you go, is this where I want to be in 20 years? You know, like, and then you start. You know, you start cutting straps and like, listen, I'm, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and kind of wander around the earth for a little while and find out what you really want to do. Um, so I, I did that and I went up into New York City and did a bunch of stuff. I used to run into just mm-hmm. about everybody up there that I know. And, and then I decided I was going to do something else. I was on that path and then it's come full circle to how I got with this, uh, you know, unsuspecting bunch of people that, that came together. And that's kind of what this is all about. But... You know, I get a phone call from a friend who's sitting across from me now, and says, "Hey, I'm going to go do this thing." And you know, when you have that that care for for your your fellow warrior and your fellow, uh, you know, in everybody's life, we played contact sports when we were younger. You know, you, the bump on the head, all these things, and it all comes back to this brain thing. And uh, when you grow up in in these communities, and, and you have a love for for your brothers and, and sisters, and and uh, you don't just shed that lightly and you take that responsibility pretty, pretty strongly. So Morgan goes up to DC and he runs into some people and he's putting this thing together and he calls me and he, you know, and I, I was well on my way to doing something that, that has been an itch for me to, to do for a long time. And, and he says, Hey, here's what we're going to do. And we're going to, and this is what we're going to do. And we're going to, we're going to come together and we're going to try really hard, um, to, to make an impact in the world of brain treatment and TBI and PTSD and all these people have these never quit stories and all these people that have all these these ailments and these people are living in the shadows of bumps on the heads and we've tried this and we've tried that and, and to use one of you know, the pharmacological methods and let's do something different. Let's really do something different. And, uh, you know, it doesn't take a lot of convincing when you when you're sitting at your house and you're like, you know, I can either go and do something that that makes me a ton of money or I can go and do something that that really um, really makes an impact one to your soul and when you look back at the end of it, did you make a difference in it? Are you still serving? So that's that's part of our DNA and that's that's who we are as people is to continue to serve, whether it be, you know, something simple as helping somebody across the street or helping somebody change their tire or you know, something as big as, is let's get, um, a, a giant behemoth piece of the, the industry and the government to work together to, to make solutions for our, for our, our fellow man. And, uh, I said, okay. So I threw a couple of t-shirts and some socks in a bag and I grabbed my dog and, and I, I grabbed my dog and away we went. And, uh, now here we are for circle, what, two and a half years later. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess this is how I, I get to sit here, but, but, um, um, yeah, just a, that's kind
5: of the story in a nutshell. Yeah, so here we have three absolute individual never quit stories. But the funny part about it is that when this team finally came together and was tossed into the, the worst possible place, the swamp in DC, <laughs> the one of the cabinet members said, Hey, I'm bringing you up here to do a specific job. I don't, you're not here to make friends. You're here to save lives. Go forward and do great things. And that was about the gist of it. So you have the neuroscientist, you have the fixer, and you have the experience of DC and the physicist, and then you have me, which yeah, I really don't know what I brought to the, the table. The hammer. <laughs> the hammer. And the idea behind to it. Break it,
4: fix it. Yeah, yeah, break <laughs> it, fix
5: it, blow it up, and put it back together. The concept was. With some dance. Yeah, with some it, dance. With make, it, make it, make it yeah, eloquent. Yeah, with dance. the finesse. Yeah. So how can we utilize the agencies in, D-O- in DC to actually save lives instead of listen to the politicians and everyone else just talk about it. And that's what the team that's what the team did for the last 2 years. And it's 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 it was an it was an absolute nightmare to say the least. Sometimes sometimes it was the greatest thing ever. Best of times and the worst of times. Best of times, times and worst of times. Best alone. advice I ever got about going to DC is don't take it personal and don't take it home then the secretary is like when he asked he asked me to come up there he was like i was like hey sir i don't gel with politicians and he's like i'm not bringing you up here to do that build a team that doesn't do it and i was like all right check you got it the main focus of what we did and i'll bring the i'll bring the guys and Bambi back in on this is how do we utilize the world's most capable supercomputers to help the most brilliant minds calculate research that they've been collecting over the decades to actually save lives, instead of writing papers and hanging it on a wall, and that's what we did. And initially, when we got up there, it was Dimitri and I. And I walked. I, I I don't know how we actually met randomly.
1: I came to find you. I was told, "Hey, we have someone, uh, a veteran coming in who who's new. Uh, why don't you go talk with them?" And so we, we connected. And uh, the, the kind of the writing, I saw how I
5: saw how I saw the ability for uh, Dimitri to navigate the waters. In the D.C. because it's when you cross that river, it's not America.
4: (laughs) District Columbia. There's a civil war (laughs)
5: happening inside that area, which was easy for us, easier for us to navigate because we were in the business of saving lives. And then finally, when I got Bambi and Paul up there and the team was set, we started knocking on doors. And, buddy, let me tell you something. It is the first and first thing people want you to do is fall on your sword. Second thing they want you to do is go away, but we were relentless. And what we just, what we started doing was traveling the country and partnering with the most brilliant minds in the country in these universities. And we started out with a gentleman named Dr. Jeff Manley. And I'll let uh, before we get into the details, it was all focused off of the, of the DOE's laboratories. And Dimitri, can you kind of give the listeners an idea of what the DOE is? Because I think most of them are focused you in know, on. You know,
1: most people don't know what what Department of Energy is. You you look at the name Energy, you think, okay, it's probably oil and gas or something like that. But it's it's really quite rich and, and it's important. You know, we keep the lights on. The lights on in this room. We have the responsibility for the energy sector, and that's that's keeping the, the pipelines, the, the the grid, against big storms, natural events, or, or cyber attacks, or, you know, any kind of problem. So we keep the lights on. We we build and take apart nuclear weapons. Uh, you know, we maintain and, and certify the nuclear weapons stockpile. Uh, we drive weapons around the country. You might have passed them on the interstate, coast no to idea. coast, yeah, north to south. Idea, yeah. yeah, you know, uh, we're in that business. We're in nuclear counterterrorism and, and proliferation and nonproliferation. proliferation. Um, Subs, too. Because if it's got a reactor, a nuclear reactor on it or anything like that, we that have yeah. detail, right? We, so certainly in the nuclear business, uh, we are the biggest funders of the physical sciences in the U.S. We, we run major facilities. We have 17 national labs, probably more PhDs under one roof than anywhere else in the world that we can bring to focus on important problems, and, and we've done that in the past. Uh, you know, we were responsible for sequencing the human genome, something a lot of people, you know, don't know or, or, or forget. Um, we, we helped uh, make fracking possible, which has kind of changed the face of, of, of the U.S. Yeah, and in right. the energy sector. Uh, we have um, oil and gas programs. We have programs in just about everything, but we're really the department of hard problems, we're a go-to agency when things are hard and no one really knows how to solve them. They come to us, and so it's a great place to be because when Morgan came with with these, you know, we want to change the world, we want to save lives. Well, we've got a lot of tools. How how do we think about that? What is it we can do? Uh, and and there's a lot under the hood that we started to access to make that happen.
5: Yeah, and then knowing that, that's where we transitioned into the TBI world. Maybe you want to kind of give us an overview.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, kind of leaning in, we you know, learned a lot about tools that exist at Department of Energy and really saw opportunities at the intersection of machine learning, AI, and and medical data or the healthcare space. And why this really matters, especially for Department of Energy. It's like, you know, there was often this pushback because it's like, what's Department of Energy doing in the healthcare space? And that's not it's collaborating so those who are in the healthcare space can uniquely do the healthcare piece and leverage the not only existing technologies of Department of Energy, but helping Department of Energy develop next-generation technologies. And that really is a synergy between, you know, massive data sets you hear right now. Like, you hear all this, like, big data, you know, words like big data and machine learning. All this stuff is kind of thrown around. But really, it's... it's representative of of the the timer in where collaboration is of utmost importance because the speed of technology changes so fast right now um, it's important for researchers and everyone at department of energy to really be on the front lines and that's where with the medical data it's there's answers in some of these huge data sets that when you, you have the engineer and mathem- mathematician and physicist sitting down with the neuroscientist and the you know, neurosurgeon and the clinician to help really translate, you, you know what you create is truly impactful. It's changing both on the technology piece, but creating solutions and answers in the healthcare space that is just sitting there. Right, So that's where it was, you know, we all kind of embraced this and really saw the potential. Um, There was pushback, but um, I think a lot of that is due to um, um, educating and really people understanding, you know, kind of what this world is going to look like as these technologies kind of seep into our lives. um, It changes the way we think about things. It changes the way we think about data. It changes the way we think about healthcare model. It changes the way, you know, instead of a, a... you know, kind of like a, a sick model, it's predictive, it's proactive, it's personalized, it's, you know, the antithesis of everything that's kind of the the healthcare space right now. So we saw the potential for change, and just for us, our push was to help others see it, because you have to collaborate, you have to, you know, it's a waste of time for, you know, on the clinical side, to to kind of learn all the richness of the technology piece, like get Get everybody in the room, like similar to the team, get everybody in the room to work on the problem together. working
4: yeah, yeah. together, knowledge is power. A yeah. lot of people on a menu rancher, they want to take credit to, for it, too. Like, hey, I'd be willing to help you only if you let me. Man, we're all doing this. Everyone's getting credit for it. You know, no, that was just,
5: One of the biggest parts was us breaking down those
4: silos, Yeah. which was a challenge. I mean, what we're capable of when we're together, they only sent a handful of us overseas to take down empires when we get back to separate us. Imagine what we can do over there is <laughs> nothing compared to what we can do here if everybody if everybody kind of came into to work every day saying, no matter who runs in front of me, I'm gonna do whatever I can to help them the best way I can give give them my full attention as opposed to i gotta do this i gotta for my for that personal it's an all personal gain. I always say with them what's in it for me yeah, there's a
3: good lot good of that yeah you know in in the landscape from the from from our perspective or from people like me in, in that perspective the uh there are many, many, many people up there that really want to help that are that are it, it, of the same mind as is to what you think in Washington D.C. There are many people that that have their own interests in mind, and, and that's anywhere you go. But D.C. is a special special animal because it's three different branches of government, and and if you know the alignments or the misalignments mean something uh, up there to them, to to us people, I don't want to say down there because they actually work for us, but to to us at the at the on the football field and us on the battlefield we don't see that but there are a lot of people up there that really you know in these national laboratories very smart people in these universities extremely smart people that that just given the opportunity to push those barriers aside and to push either constituency barriers or budget barriers or what what bambi has said well the department of energy doesn't do health care well it's that that's right we don't do health care but the amount of tools and the the disposal because of these national laboratories that are at our disposal, and and just the amount of connection between hospitals, universities, scientific discovery in in these spaces. And if we don't grab those and use those to a national size problem, which is, uh, I don't know if if you can talk to anybody out there that hasn't either experienced a head trauma or been in a situation or, or have something. And and even so, why aren't we doing something on a national level to to really understand what, you know, we've just now made it to the bottom of the sea, we've gone to the moon 70 years ago, and we don't understand the, the, the most important piece of equipment in our entire being, which is between our two ears, you know, and, and why, why isn't that a national level thing? So we we went up there and and really tried, one, you have to get people to understand AI, which I don't understand AI. You know, I I use the word as fluently as Colgate does to brush their, use their toothbrush, (laughs) but it's a complicated thing. And, and it's quite frankly, it's a little, the unknown upsets people a little bit in the sense that they don't know, but AI is going to be a massive tool, uh, an incredible tool. It's a able to, to push the next generation. We've always done it this way. We're going to start to do it a little differently. And that's kind of what we were... We had to educate both congresspeople and, and senators and as to just what we want to do. And it, and it puts people a little... It's a little scary. And when you talk about money... Now, the government runs on money, your money. And uh, to reallocate hundreds of millions of dollars or even millions of dollars is a big deal. So the behemoth that's the government... On one side, you want it to be a little more agile. You want it to make decisions in the split to say, this is a problem. Let's throw all this money at it. Well, that works if that cause is good for you. But it doesn't work so well if that cause is not good for you. And uh, so you want a little bit of slow and you want some bureaucracy. But that's, that, those, those are big challenges. And when you went to work in the morning, and you had
5: your coffee, and you sit and think like, what are we going to do today, brain? Can you, can, I, can you break it down for the listeners? Because you have a great way to articulate it to people where they can understand it. Can you kind of give them an idea of what we accomplished in that short period of time and why that's so important to just anyone and everyone?
3: Well, I think accomplishment first, the biggest part of the accomplishment is like anything, we had to be somewhat educators. You know, one, we had to learn the, the system and the way that the government works, it doesn't work like a normal. Uh, business, where the, the CEO basically says, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to go this way. Government doesn't work like that. You have to balance
4: that out. Yeah, it works what like did, a big, like an aircraft carrier. In order to turn that thing, it's not going to... Advance I mean, and transfer, We got a right? hole in it, there's a fire, right. we got straight to the line, that, that's that quick stuff. Right. But when it comes time to stuff like this, man, the captain has to talk to engine... I mean, it's a... It's, it's slow it, moving that thing. Yeah, it's around. not
3: one button push. Right. And, and there isn't one commander in charge of the entire thing. You know what I mean? There's there's competing requirements and it's a competitive environment. What did we accomplish? Well, if we accomplish nothing, we accomplish the fact that this is the conversation. When we went there, people, yeah, 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 we get it, we get it. And that's And to hear that when you're looking at a problem like that that affects people in the way that it does and you hear the yeah, yeah, yeah. It really it's disheartening so you have to find a way to dig a little deeper and it's not climbing a mountain deep but it's a different kind of deep where you have to put yourself in a position where you say okay this is what I'm gonna have to do to get through this one you have to be willing to sacrifice your reputation which you know when when we live and die by our name you start to sacrifice your reputation to to make sure that you can push these things forward so we educated people at our own expense um, to educate people on what AI is and, and pushing the conversation forward. If you would take a snapshot as to when we went up there to start talking about... And I'm not talking about AI to drive cars because everybody talks about that. We're talking about the non-sexy artificial intelligence applications that really mean something. So we educated a whole line of bureaucratic, uh, a bureaucratic layer that makes decisions based on their own knowledge and what they see, you know, and and it's a sexy term to everybody. They see it on a magazine cover, but that education piece was huge. Getting teams together as Morgan pushed all these things in and we pushed um, teams of of medical professionals and engineers and data scientists and, and neuroscientists into the same room to say, what is it that you do? What are the big questions and big problems that you have that we can help you solve by using this um, massive, technologically advanced, our national laboratories, these people that are very intelligent? What can we do to help you and in turn help us? And uh, that it was about the data alone.
1: in the end. You know, we, yeah. we gathered a lot of data. AI is about data. And so, you know, what did we accomplish? Well, the first thing was to, to realize that we're all buried in data. You know, I don't know how many thousands of unopened emails you keep on your iPhone. Uh, You know, I don't know how. We're we're all surrounded by more information than we know how to deal with. My wife's got like 8,000 of them on her phone. Yeah, you you go into a modern ICU today, and it's uh, alarm fatigue for the nurses because the alarms are constantly going off. The doctors get more information than they can deal with. And as we looked around, we realized there's something to be done with the marriage of technology and, and data. And so the starting point was... Like Morgan said, "How can we save lives with data?" So we started gathering data. So we gathered uh, all of the veterans' electronic health records and the million veteran program genomic data through the uh, VA Department of uh, Affairs. yeah Department of Veterans Affairs uh, uh, data uh, in partnership with the VA. Uh, we We gathered uh, the traumatic brain injury and PTSD data from the VA, which we we also have. We we managed to get a ten year study from the NIH uh, through Dr. Jeff Manley at UC San Francisco, which was a big national effort to to characterize traumatic brain injury from the emergency room through one year, with with biomarkers and and and, and treatments and health trajectories and MRIs, and and we embedded ourselves in this data rich world. We said, how can we change things? And and we brought in our most advanced supercomputers said, how can we learn more from data than anyone could possibly do? You know, when you take this massive amount of data that it comes in so many different ways from the genome to images to 20 years of health records, what, what's in there? What's in there beyond what we can see? And that's what we turned the computers on to do. And we focused on problems from, <coughs> excuse me, from uh, suicide risk, to cardiovascular, to prostate cancer, we started to touch opioids, uh, polypharmacy, what happens when you prescribe more than five drugs to a, a patient. Uh, we looked at traumatic brain injury, can we get beyond three categories, uh, from mild, moderate, and severe, and we found that there are at least 30, uh, and there are going to be more, and we're trying to characterize traumatic brain injury as richly as people do cancer.
5: Tell, tell, tell everyone why that that's important as far as the categorization because of Because if you
1: want to know how to uh, treat people, you have to know exactly what they have. You know, what is the the specific issues that they face? Uh, and how much data do you have on, on possible treatment paths? And if you don't really know, if you only have three big bins, it's, it's too coarse. But we can learn a lot more from the data and specifics of patients from their images if we first amass as much data as possible, to, to see what's in the data, and then we can distill kind of the, the specific things to patients.
4: I'm just thinking, if you could disseminate that amongst every hospital or caregiver, it would make any hosp- any one of them prepared for for anything coming in. A lot of times, people come into one thing to a unit or a hospital with a, with a problem that they can't fix.
1: Yeah, the if tools you, aren't for us.
4: Right, but if yeah, you, no. you know, if you got if you got if I mean, if that thing spits out every program in signs, symptoms, of trauma, and then it relays everything from all of that—that damn. Yeah. Imagine
5: if you walked into a hospital or in in, in Poteet, Texas, with a TBI, and your doctor was able to compare your that particular patient's brain scans with every other hospital in the country to get a get a real time diagnostics and a yeah. But a, but then you have thousands and thousands and thousands of data points or information. That's what data is, information and and possible answers. It comes back to Poteet Texas. and says, hey, look, your patient probably, high probability has this, and this is what needs to be done. And that's what the team's efforts were moving towards.
1: Yeah, we already showed you can learn more from data than people could have. You know, and we have to figure out what, how, you know, what is real and what is not real. It's not just, uh, you know, you apply a technique and, and you're there, but you have to get people thinking about this. You have to partner them together, and it's kind of the odd collection that we are in doing this. You know, part of the strength of us was, was knowing that we have to bring even more people together from different walks of life with different experiences and tools to do something that's bigger than ourselves, uh, and, and, and that's what we've been doing. Uh, people, I don't
5: think and I, did, I did. I didn't understand how fast and how important the computers are. And one of the data scientists broke it down to us one day. And it's like, hey, look the 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 information that we just processed through our computer would have taken one hundred thousand scientists three hundred thousand years to compute. One hundred thousand scientists, three hundred thousand years, and this computer at the lab did it in two and a half minutes so
1: yeah that that turns (laughs) no it's mind-boggling you know the biggest computers that we're going to have in the next year or so they the number of uh math operations in addition or subtraction you can do in one second is 10 to the 18. so it's one with 18 zeros after it that's how many we, we can do every second and we can just beat these problems to death. We can ingest all the data that's available, and we can ask really hard problems that no one else in the world can do. And we should be doing that. And, and we learn how to learn in that process, but we're, we, we choose the right kind of problems so it impacts people. So we're doing something that makes a difference. Yeah, so this we'll, learn
4: was, your enemy and everything about it and tear them down. Yeah, so the, so the
5: successes that we've had to date, Bambi, are... Recategorizing traumatic brain injury, right? Mm-hmm. From three to 30. We've partnered with hospitals on the West Coast so that they have access to the national laboratories and their traumatic brain injury ICUs in order to have that ability. And then we're partnering with Veterans Affairs, Health and Human Services, the DOD, to make sure that it's the entire government focusing on these problems, not just an Individual agency, which up until this team got together wasn't happening.
4: I don't know why they, I mean, when they refer to the DOE as not being a Department of Health, it's energy. Health is energy, right? I mean, it makes complete sense. It's just it's very much mislabeled. It should be Department of
5: Everything. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and I think it goes back to just kind of a sign of the times that a lot of the, you know, Department of Energy activity centers around the computing capabilities, which now really permeates all aspects of our life. So you can't really silo those capabilities because you're missing out on the potential and what it can
1: do and solve. And you know, AI is, is, is amazing. This, this period of time we're in right now, these next uh, five years or, or 10 years are, are going to be transformational. AI is moving faster than Moore's Law and supercomputing, probably five times faster. It, it touches everything we do already today. You know, when you're navigating with Waze or, or, or navigating traffic, that's AI. When you can do Skype now in, in 60 languages, it's like the universal translator from, from Star Trek. You can talk in real time in 60 languages over Skype and, and, and have a conversation where the AI takes care of the translation in real time. Uh, you know, you can uh, colorize movies uh, through AI. Uh, it's it's in Alexa and Siri. Everything we touch, you know, has AI in it somewhere. So the future is already here, and and we kind of take it for granted. But it's moving so fast. What's coming tomorrow is is really unimaginable. And I think as we looked to that, and we looked at health, we looked at veterans' issues traumatic brain injury, we see this is a space for transformation, and the only way it works is to bring together people from these different walks of life, the doctors who don't have time to analyze data with AI because they don't understand AI because they're in the emergency room, to the technicians and, and those developing technologies that don't understand the brain. Because they're focused on on building semiconductors and new chips, to those who are building software and tools, you know, you got to bring all these people together in unnatural ways and say, look, we're gonna solve this kind of problem, and that's where the interesting change is gonna happen. That's where the transformation is gonna change our lives. Sure, I mean you got to think that our situations
4: are people wide, right? If we have something here, it's probably it'll it'll make it yeah. on the other side, and then a lot of times people in, in other parts of the world don't have the technology that we do. And human, I mean, we're brilliant, right? We'll figure something out. And it's those little tricks and and techniques that that they do that we didn't know about that would unlock something. It's like I, every person that you run into, man, has a key that unlocks something inside of that's you. That's right. That's only unique. Like, if you can meet every one of them, all of us, right, then you you unlock. All of that—that's the beautiful part about it. It's like one of those things with AI. Just kind of, you can tap it into the brain.
5: And what was that one? One fellow said we, uh, that we have ten to the eighteenth power per second to solve, and we have all that compute power. But if you hooked a hooked a supercomputer up to a portion of the brain the size of your pinky fingernail, it would crash the computer.
1: The brain still is 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 far different than these computers. It's so much lower in power uh, than our big system. Our big computers, you know, use tens or twenty megawatts the whole you know, city. Yeah, the brain is watts. I mean, it's uh, it, it's it's far more efficient. It does so much more. The best AI is is in our head. It, yeah, in between your ears. That's perfect, perfect all said. Perfect phrase. It's just I, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Intelligent. Yeah. Right. Pretty much. But uh, you know, the, the the computers can handle much more data than anyone else can, and it just beyond what humans can do. And and it's the right marriage of people with the with the technologies to do things that really are going to make a difference. I mean, you got to think with the way the genetic splice works, when the man and
4: woman create that one, I mean, that lineage, is—it's it's all right there. To be able to untap that, to be able to see all the way back, that knowledge that you've always learned, because whatever you, I mean, we learn stuff throughout our lives, right? What stays up in the front is what we use most of all every single day. It's that common stuff, and the rest of it gets slowly trickled to the back. It's still there. Right? I mean, you can't undo an, an electrical impulse. You can smash something in there harder, right? And that's why when, when you go through a traumatic injury, your body, when when it gets lit up and the mind gets lit up at the same time, it hammers it in even even harder. Sometimes it damages it. Some, to be able to... Because you get those memories. We, we, we regurgitate what our parents say to us all the time, right? We don't do it until they're gone, and you're a parent, and you're starting to do it. And then you just start seeing things like that, and that comes with age and experience. But to be able to unlock that whole concept of, your whole lineage
5: yeah that's some time travel
4: i mean sorry it's already, it's already there <laughs> yeah. you gotta unlock the brain oh yeah time travel Probably you get a bunch of your friends some beer turn on some music you go back to that day and time right especially if you've had the friends your whole life you time right. you can always you can go back in time you just can't go it, forward. it's funny how that
1: works yeah. you know, it triggers these memories so, really yeah maybe we'll figure it out one day maybe
4: that's the trigger is is us that it's all uh it's a tone even the verbiage of birds and everything we speak we just even a word is still a, a monotone right so when you hear something from your past a song or a person or something like that it automatically tunes that up even from the way back you can remember little pieces of it and they keep talking and it comes oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah and they'll throw a name out and they're like "Woop, yeah i got it i remember it now it was just tucked back in the in the back part of that library and each time someone comes back in they can either pull something back up or they open something new up pretty amazing what we are
5: well bambi paul dimitri thank you guys for coming out here and doing this i absolutely applaud you guys for having to stick through the misery of dc and and getting out there and fighting the good fight to save the lives of you know veterans first responders and, and the american public god bless and uh we're looking forward to updates on down the road
4: yeah i mean seriously i, I learned so much today and to hear you guys talking it's brilliant because even if you don't know anything, and most people can't even comprehend co- neuroscience, physics, or anything like that, but if, it's all about the teacher. And uh, imagine the most powerful person on the planet would be somebody who can explain anything to anyone, right? And that's those uh, universities, and universities as opposed to schools around. It's just a—it's the way you explain it. It's a trick. You know, those little things that you've seen it, and, and to be able to sit here and listen to you guys talk about all of that is, and um, to understand it was, was amazing. So good job on that. I mean, that's ultimately why you push it through a, in the up in dc is because of that ability and it, it's funny because it comes from a from people from all all walks of life one can explain it you know one hammers at home and and that's the relative thing about a team, man. And we're just stronger together.
1: Always. Yeah, we'd be in meetings like that and I'd be explaining something or Bambi and then Paul would recognize we're just on the wrong wavelength. And so he would come in and he would fix it for us. He would rephrase it in a way and that people that, go, oh, yeah, okay, debate. I get oh, that. Oh, there and it so, is. Uh. So we've done a lot of that because we talk at so many you know, different points of view and it doesn't always get people. And, and sure. So, that's and really and right, it's man. taken Why the team to. Yeah. You, <laughs> you can can just how did you say that in the first five minutes? Okay. Self correcting, you know, in time we eventually find the right way to message. That's that's a beautiful that's how you know you're a team because a lot of times when you're talking,
4: man, even if you get stuck, guys will just kind of try and and break
1: checks and balances,
4: yeah, right, man. So, but when it's not an insult when you can, like, hey, no, I don't, they got that blank stare, let me go at them like this. Like Dimitri
5: said, if you were
4: putting this team together, you wouldn't have chosen us, it's just a
5: a way that it happened because we would walk into a room with just a bunch of brilliant scientists and I would start talking. And then they would start to beat me up, and I would just turn over to Bamir or, or Demetri, and be like <laughs> give them the nod. And then it's like the ringer comes in, like Done, ski. <laughs> and when words didn't work, there's always dance.
0: Yeah, yeah. yes, yes.
3: <laughs> so you know, in that, if people say, "Wow, this is really something." Get interested in it, and just take a look at it. You're going to see it everywhere if you haven't if you haven't heard or whatever. But when it comes to where your money's being spent, ask your ask your congressman or your senator or the people that, that if you have a connection with them ask them what they're doing what are they doing with all these computers and all this money and you know it's doing wonderful science but if this something touches you you know reach out to them and say hey this is important to me as a constituent as a voter you know th- these hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars and let's let's make it
5: worth something if you know somebody with tbi or ptsd or cancer or open ask go hey what is, what is the government doing in that world to help my kid right. or help me
3: and there's things they can do and they might they might give you an answer that really surprises you and says hey uh, thank you or you may say well why don't you ask around a little bit up there and see
4: what what we can do
3: mm-hmm. you know
4: yeah you'll know if they know or if they don't right. like, oh it's great next question <laughs> hold on let me get my aid <laughs> well thanks for having us it's you
5: bet yeah Good great, job. really a fun. And what an interview. I mean, that was a very informative and deep conversation, no doubt. It's hard to get your head around some of the things that are going on at that level and, and the capabilities that we have.
4: Yeah, it was deep. You said it was going to be, and, and, and they are brilliant, man. It's it's amazing to watch, uh, especially with Paul in here and everything that we've been through and, and, uh, and you and what you guys are doing. Uh, uh, man, that's impressive. Did today's episode ignite a new fire in you? If there's one thing that I've learned, it's that sharing your story is a powerful thing. There are people out there that need a kick in the ass every now and again, and your story could be the thing to change their life forever. Take a minute to share your story at teamneverquit.com forward slash podcast. Just click on the share your story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way. Your story just might be shared on one of our upcoming episodes. Hey, and do you think the
2: show could benefit someone else? Go leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other people discover the show so we can keep encouraging others to just never quit.
4: Thank you guys so much for coming out here and being part of that. To all our listeners, man, we love you guys. We can't say that enough. I I really don't have the words to uh, to describe how wonderful you guys are to keep coming back and listening to uh, to us and to our amazing guests. So as long as y'all keep doing that, we'll keep coming back and uh, enjoying this. So I like thank God, my family, my brother, uh, everybody uh, who had anything to do with this and uh, this wonderful life that we get to have. So thank you guys again. I'm out. Peace.